This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ferminger, and today I'm delighted to welcome Sarah Dugdale. Sarah Dugdale. To the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. No, it is actually Sarah Dugdale. And I, I just wanted to, con- I confirmed with her just a couple of minutes ago that there wasn't a unique spelling or a unique pronunciation of her last name. Because you never know if it was Dugdale and um, it's not. Anyway, last week was a fairly heavy week in the news cycle. Insurrection, revolution, Massive numbers growing in the global pandemic. I found myself pacing around my condo, wanting to go somewhere, anywhere, but scared to go outside because 2021 is the new 2020. And my Aunt Daphne, you didn't think Aunt Daphne was going to make an appearance in this, did you, Sarah? But yes, there's Aunt Daphne. She, she is very wise about all of these things, and she suggested I go to Virgin River. Technically, she suggested I watch Virgin River, Netflix's locally shot dramatic serial based on the books by Robin Carr. She was surprised that I hadn't watched Virgin River already. I was surprised. It's filmed in BC. It features many friends of the podcast, including Lexa Doig, Linda Boyd, and Gwyneth Walsh. And most importantly, it's the kind of storytelling I live for. Addictive, transportative, and character-driven. And honestly, it is perfect for this moment in history because it is the perfect escape. Virgin River centers on Mel, a Los Angeles ER nurse who heads to the picturesque Northern California town of Virgin River after experiencing massive trauma in her life. There, almost despite her best efforts, she finds connection and comfort and L-O-V-E with its residents. Season one hit Netflix in December 2019, and season two dropped in November 2020. Season two brought with it the same mix of drama and L-O-V-E and scenery that made season one so addictive, as well as a new character named Lizzie. Lizzie! I love Lizzie! Lizzie is Connie's niece, and Connie is played by the inimitable Nicola Cavendish, and she's sent to Virgin River from LA after getting into a ton of trouble. She's 19, and she brings to Virgin River all of the teenage rebellion that got her kicked out of LA in the first place. She's all attitude. Or is she? Because over season two, she forges a deep connection with young Ricky, Grayson Maxwell Guernsey, who seems to be everything that Lizzie isn't. He's responsible. He respects his elders. But Ricky sees something in Lizzie that everyone else doesn't see. And quickly, these two virgins of Virgin River are given to their teenage passion. But not before Aunt Connie finds out and she goes apeshit. Honestly, I love this Romeo and Juliet pairing. And Sarah does a remarkable job infusing Lizzie with light 
and rebelliousness and nuance. And she makes you care about Lizzie. Honestly, she lifts a role above the cliche of like the teenage badass. So today we're going to get to know where Lizzie ends and where Sarah begins and get the 411. We'll see what we can get out of Sarah about where Lizzie is going to take us next. Sarah Dugdale. Sarah Dugdale. <laughs> Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm sorry for, for making fun of a name that requires no making fun of, but in my defense, the one fact about you in IMDb trivia is that you, you have a high certification in French. So I think I was expecting Dugdale to have some kind of, I don't know, French juge to it. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair enough assumption. It is, I, my background is British, Irish, and Dutch. So that kind of thing, but I do speak French. Je parle un peu de français. <laughs> Ooh la la, zut alors, I'm born in Quebec, but I was born in an Anglophone immigrant household. So not much French, but enjoy the poutine. Listen, Sarah, we've been starting. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy for what Virgin River brought to my life, especially last week. Last week was the, um, the siege on the US Capitol, and we hit some pretty high numbers here as well in BC for our pandemic. So it, Virgin River was for me the perfect place to go. I have been asking all of my guests during this, oh, and you can swear on the podcast, fucked up time, um, how, how they're doing, asking from my heart, how, how are you doing with, with all of it, with 2021 now being the new bad year? So, Sarah, how are you, from my heart? You know, pretty good, all things considering. It's definitely been a weird time, and I definitely, like, I thrive on being busy and thrive on being productive. So it's definitely hard to do when there's a pandemic happening. So I really had to do a lot of like looking inward and figuring out what made me happy outside of acting and things that I could feel creatively fulfilled outside of that. And I feel like I'm slowly like making peace with just kind of having days where I'm not productive and days where I just allow myself to do nothing and listen to a podcast and do a puzzle and just chill out because I think everyone just needs to give themselves a break. I think that's so important. And I'm really glad that, that you've said that. Cause I know that, you know, I think one of the biggest casualties, I mean, besides, you know, physically um, the loss of life or the experience of people who have COVID and, you know, who are long haulers now, um, is going to be when we look back is like the, the mental health toll of people, you know, and the impact that, that, you know, trying to keep everything the same or trying to just keep going through a pandemic, you know, is going to have on us. Right. Like, and there's, I think there's this unrealistic expectation that we can just keep going on with our lives in the same way. Like, I think it's good to give ourselves that kind of space to be like, look, it's a pandemic. And sometimes it's okay just to, to do what you need to get through to get through the day or the week, be it watching Virgin River all 20 episodes in two days or a couple nights ago. I, um, I was drinking champagne cocktails over Zoom with some girlfriends and dancing to records, literal records because I'm 100 years old. So, oh, so. I have a record collection too. Don't you oh. worry. <laughs> oh, girl, what's in your, tell, tell us some of your highlights of your record collection. Before we, we will be talking about Lizzie and, and um, the unvirgining of Virgin River and all of that. But yeah, <laughs> give me some insight into your record collection. Um, I have like a pretty varied collection. My dad has really influenced a lot of my music taste. So I have like Bob Dylan and 
kind of cool, like more obscure artists like Nico Case. And mm. he gave me this album for my birthday recently by this artist called Waxahachie. And I completely fell in love with the album. And that's what I've been playing like nonstop recently. That's so cool. I love I love hearing that. I love I love hearing because apparently I'm a hundred years old. Love hearing about younger people getting into vinyl. And like my ten year old daughter got she asked for vinyl from Santa, and so she got um she she got Johnny Cash and she got the Birds of Prey soundtrack and she got Billie Eilish and she just like listening to it with headphones. I'm like this is amazing. Okay, COVID question done. Record collection question that was not planned done. Let's talk about Lizzie and, and Virgin River. So had you watched season one before you were before you were cast? Because Lizzie is mentioned in season one, like as a like Connie like mentions her at some point, but we don't actually see her slash you until season two. So like what did you what was your impressions of the show like before you were cast? Uh, and um, I don't know, just go. Just that's the question. Just go. Um. <laughs> When I had the initial audition, season one wasn't even out yet. And there wasn't a lot of information around it. Like even when I got the audition, it didn't say like Virgin River. It was very obscure. And so I did the audition, felt really good about it, and then had the callback with Grayson. And then once I found out that I got the job, they sent me screeners for season one. So I got to watch them ahead of everybody else. And oh, so I love it was that. Isn't cool. that the best? I sometimes yeah. get that. It's, it's, um, it's the best, but it's also kind of the worst because you discover what you know is going to be everybody else's like favorite thing and you can't talk to anybody about it yet. So I don't yeah. know if you had that experience as well. You're like, everybody's going to love this, but I can't talk to anybody about like, what the hell is this? Charmaine? you <laughs> right I feel like yeah when I watched it yeah a similar response I watched it and I was like didn't know whether it was going to be a show that I personally loved because it's yeah. not necessarily wouldn't be like my go-to yeah. but I watched it and I found that I really fell in love with these characters because I just love character driven stuff and it didn't feel like a cliche like kind of romantic medical drama it felt like so much more than that. So getting to watch that. And then I also love like books and any sort of research I can yeah. do because I'm a bit of a nerd. So I found out that it was based on a book series. And so I listened to the first audiobook right away and Lizzie's mentioned in that. And so I just started to consume as much as I could to try to figure out what I was stepping into. Okay. Now, Lizzie is... Um is a bad ass and comes onto the scene like she's 19 like there's even she was trying to like get she's like brady is like old guy from like he's like this veteran and she like in that first time we see her she's like trying to get with him and then she just kind of moves on because she realizes he's not going to get her any alcohol but um and yet i'm like i was like okay so is she gonna because i played rizzo in a production of greece once and i was like is that is like is it gonna be is is it gonna be I mean, what I loved about Rizzo is that, you know, Rizzo, there was a heart there and we got to see it, you know, as we pull away the, you know, the layers. So are we going to see that or is she just going to be a badass and we're supposed to, she's a villain character. And she like clearly was not, you know, especially by the end. But can you just, so talk to me about like, you know, the things that, those qualities that you enjoy about Lizzie and how closely does Lizzie resemble uh, what you were like as a teenager? Well, first of all, I love musicals and I kind of love 
like that comparison to Rizzo, like the kind of badass girl. And at first you don't really think she has much of a heart. And honestly, like talking to people after the show came out at first, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I didn't like Lizzie. And I'm like, I was kind of taken aback because playing her, I was playing her from a place of understanding. Mm. And so it was kind of weird to hear like, oh, you don't like her. But then I watched the show once it was all put together and I was like, oh, I see why. Because she comes in and she's so headstrong and a little bit manipulative and it kind of just plows right over Ricky. So I started to understand why people had that reaction to her. And like, I do relate to her in certain ways. I relate to her ability to just be silly and kind of tap into that side of herself. I definitely was not as confident as her as a teenager. Well, she is brazen. I admire it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely never spoke my mind like her. I was very respectful to my parents and people that were older than me. I that's kind of what I love about her though. That's why she was so fun to play because she like has no shame. Yeah. That scene with her and Hope in the bar, like one of the first scenes that she has, she's just so blunt and not even coming from a place that's mean or rude. She's not even probably thinking she's coming across that way, but she's just very brazen and blunt. <laughs> she's brazen and blunt. And yet as, as we see through her relationship with Ricky, um, she's also hurt. And that is what's, you know, really speaking to what I love about the show too, is that it really shows that there, everybody is behaving a certain way because of something in their past, you know, and that's even, even somebody like, like Lizzie. Um, was there anything in Lizzie's story, you know, when you would get the scripts that like would make your jaw drop where you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe she's going to do this or say this or oh, they're actually going to do that. Because, like, kudos to these writers. They are incredible at, you know, weaving story and really, like, just, I mean, it's, as you say, character-driven. It's, like, the best kind of of show. So, you know, was there anything in in the script where you're like, oh, I'm going to get to do that on screen? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I felt like I had that reaction to some of the lines in particular that I got to say. And, like, I feel like her storyline made a lot of sense to me. So I wasn't necessarily shocked by her trajectory in any way but I would be shocked at like certain lines and be like oh I actually get to say that to another character I actually get to be that bold and have zero filter you remember like an example of of a line Um, like that like when you're sitting there with Ricky's grandmother and Nan Connie and you're like sex sex just say we had sex 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 I was like, yeah, that was that was definitely a highlight for me, <laughs> yeah. that whole scene in general, because they're, they all have such different points of view, and especially seeing the difference of the points of view between Connie and Liddy. Mm. Like, they're both from the same generation, but seeing the difference in understanding and the difference in, like, willingness to be understanding. And I feel like that was really cool to see not only Connie's perspective, which is what you'd assume from that generation, but getting to also see this this place of understanding that I thought was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, do you, so, so in, your, in your performance, you know, as you were, like, did you guys shoot chronologically at all? And did, did you know what was going to be, and if so, like, did you know what was coming down the line for these characters? Were you given like a, you know, some kind of rundown? 
Um, um, so you would know, like, in the, and then it would inform your performance? Or, like, how did that work? I mean, a little bit, but it was very vague. And we would shoot the episodes, like, two at a time. So it was relatively chronological. But yeah. I did find that every time I would get emailed a script, I was so excited to read it. And I feel like any twists and turns, they were so exciting for like us to read. Yeah. And I don't know, it kind of made you think like, oh, people are going to love this. People are going to be hooked to this. See, because I guess the question, so um, my aunt and I, like after I watched all 20 episodes in two days, like we were talking like about like all the different characters. And like, so one of the main things, like she first, you want to say like, who do you think shot Jack? And I was like, I bet it's Charmaine. Like neither, neither one of us are reading the books, right? And um, she's like, I think so too. Um, but then like, you know, we were also talking about, about um, Lizzie and Ricky, especially at the beginning. Like, did Lizzie like Ricky at the beginning? Or was she just using him, you know, to get booze and stuff? Like, you know, and, and, and if so, like, was, when do you think the change happened? Because, like, by the end, I'm assuming a change happened. Yeah, she likes I him. Feel like, yeah. I feel like in the beginning, it definitely was kind of a means to an end. Yeah. Like, there weren't a lot of other young people for her to kind of glom onto. And then she saw this kind of young, innocent, maybe easily manipulated guy and I think she just zoned in on him and wanted to get into a bit of trouble. And he was maybe her only option. Yeah. So I feel like it started as that. But then as they got to know each other, I feel like they created such a perfect balance. Like he brought her out of her shell and kind of thawed her out. And she kind of gave him more confidence and boosted, boosted him up. And I feel like the first moment where the connection became more than just like superficial was when they're sitting by the river and they kiss for the first time. And they have that moment where they're kind of opening up to each other. And I feel like that's when Lizzie actually like sees him for the first time. And I think yeah. that is like one of the lines that she says to him. And I feel like that was the start of her shift. You know, I know. So the series has been out there for, um, what, like a month and a half now, people are watching it. A lot of people are watching it right now because I know like I tweeted about it and I had all these people like giving their opinion. You know, it was like, we, I was like, we all agree that like, you know, it was Charmaine who shot Jack, right? Um, and that people are like, no, hell no, it was the pot people. And like, and anyway, um, so it's been out there. So I'm assuming you've, you've heard a lot of response, you know, at, at this point. Like what, okay, so I got two questions. Clearly I'm not a trained interviewer because I'm just like, I'll just throw a bunch of questions at you. One, what has been the response to um, the fact that, you know, these are, they are no longer the virgins of Virgin River, you know, and, um, and two, what was my second question? That's not my question. That's what happens when you take too long to ask a question, you forget what your second question is. I remember, what do you think is the importance of, of seeing characters, you know, a character like Lizzie, you know, the experience of her going to get birth control, the experience of her getting actually getting birth control after her aunt, you know, throws a, throws a fit, you know, and the experience of seeing that storyline, you know, play out on screen. I'm so grateful I got to the end of that question. So <laughs> one response to the unvirgining to the importance of seeing, you know, how the entire process of that um, play out on screen. Woo! I'm gonna take a break now. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. Here for you. Here for you. Um, I really, honestly, it was really refreshing seeing how they handled the whole birth control and the eventual them losing their virginities. I feel like so often in 
film or TV, it becomes such a cliche or it becomes such a big event that's going to change their lives forever. Yeah. And at least with the birth control, I really loved that it was her decision and she wanted to go do this and she wasn't going to let anybody stop her. And she's an adult. And I liked that there weren't any obstacles for her. It was like, she wants to do this. It's not like Mel was like, oh, are you sure about this? Like, are you, and trying to maybe deter her from even wanting to have sex in the first place. Yeah. So I love that she was able to make those decisions for herself and go into it being protected. And at least with the actual sex and losing her virginity, I just loved how after it had finished, she didn't feel any different. Mm -hmm. It had happened. They had had this moment together, but she was still the same Lizzie. It didn't alter her. It didn't maybe damage her. It didn't like, I don't know, completely change the trajectory or what she wants in life. It just was a beautiful moment between the two of them. And I feel like so often there's so much weight put on virginity and there's so much weight, especially for women with virginity and needing to like keep it to be maybe pure or whatever. And there are keep it and pure. They have yeah. many quotation marks around those. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. And I love too that, I mean, it was really the grown up in the situation um, was Lizzie. <laughs> You know, she's like, got the condoms over there. I'm on the birth control. Like, I'm like, I, I thought that that was, I don't know, it made me very, very hopeful. And as a, a hundred year old person, too, I think it was also some good insight into how things have changed as well, you know, since, um, I mean, I know a lot of things haven't changed about being a teenager and having sex as a teenager and stuff, but, you know, like just the, I don't know, just the, the ability of this generation to just talk, to be able to talk about it and to take, you know, ownership and, you know, and that autonomy. And I thought that was, that's really cool to see on screen, especially for people who are, I mean, I'm 41, I'm not hundred, but who are hundred years old, you know, like I am. But I guess my other, my other question, like, so the first question of my multi, like my many part essay question, uh, question, um, was the response to it, you know, like, I mean, I know that, uh, like all, all kinds of people with all sorts of different political views, you know, uh, watch Virgin River and you might have some people who, who are more aunt Connie than they are, you know, grandma Liddy. So like, what were, what, what kind of feedback have you received? Well, I haven't run into any sort of negativity around the whole thing and haven't really gotten feedback specifically about that moment or anything. But I do feel like people got invested in the Lizzie and Ricky relationship yeah. and found that it was like sweet and the new love was innocent. And I feel like because of that, they were kind of on board with the rest of the storyline. Yeah. I feel like if it had just been on a whim, then I think the response would have been a little bit different. But the fact that it built over the season and the fact that there was a real connection there, I feel yeah. like that led people to be more understanding. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we, I, I try to start squeezing uh, season three spoilers out of you. I want to, I want to talk with you about the experience of working with them, um, like your, your main screen partners, 
um, at least in season two, uh, Grayson and Nicola. Um, first, let's talk about Nicola because Nicola Cavendish is, you know, I mean, one of our one of our acting legends that we have, you know, here in this this city. And like I've seen her on stage multiple playing times, playing, you know, all manner of roles. So tell me about what, like, you know, your experience working with her, the special qualities that she brings to the role, and and maybe if you learned anything from from working with her. First of all, I love Nicola so much. She is so incredibly talented. She's so sweet and warm and kind. And I feel like because of her theater background, Mm -hmm. she brings this air of like detail with her Mm -hmm. where during scenes you'll be blocking them out and she'll just instinctively do these things that aren't on the page. And she really just brings it to life in a way that is so fun to act across from. And she's so sweet and lovely. And then she turns on this this Connie energy. And sometimes it's a little scary to be on the other side of. And sometimes it's hard not to laugh because she's just so gifted in the way that she delivers these lines. And honestly, I had such a blast working with her. I would love to work with her on like anything, anytime in the future. (laughs) I love to hear that so much. Okay, and... um... And what about Grayson? <laughs> and what about Grayson? <laughs> you know, uh, because I mean, that was somebody that, you know, um, you're, I mean, that's, I mean, you are the Romeo and Juliet of Virgin River, you know? So, I mean, tell me about the, the, the fun that you had, you know, going on that, that journey, you know, with him as a scene partner. Yeah, I feel like right away, because my callback was with him. So right away, doing that scene with him, in the room, the energy just felt fun and youthful and it felt very comfortable. And so I felt like because of that, getting onto set, we're kind of the only also like younger people in the cast as it is. So I think the season before he didn't really have anyone to like (laughs) really conspire with on set that was younger. So I think he appreciated having someone else on set like that. And I found that he was really respectful to work with and it it felt really good and very like safe. Like sometimes you work with an actor where you like don't know what they're going to do or maybe you don't have that same level of respect. And I found that he was just really lovely to work with. And I think that I'm excited to see what happens in like season three with the two of them and to get to kind of keep building on the complexities of their relationship together. Yeah. Um, okay. Season three. Um, okay. First of all, like, I guess I, I, I could have done better research into this. So the, the books, like, so the, the series is inspired by or based on these books, but are, is the series like a direct retelling of the books? Like if I pick up a book, am I going to find out what happens? Um, mm, or not no. quite. I okay, mean, good. <laughs> the characters are all there and all the same. But even just as far as Lizzie goes, in the books, she's 14, whereas in the series, she's 19. And I do think that was a smart decision to make her older, especially with her relationship with Ricky. I feel like that was a really smart call. But I find that as far as the books in the series go, I've listened to quite a few of the audiobooks, and bits of the storyline are the same. Sometimes bits will be given to different characters, but... I don't know. They're kind of a fun read. Okay. 
Okay, so if, if I read the books, I'm not going to spoil the show for myself. Okay, that's no. good. So is so season season three, is it in the can already? Have you gone to camera yet? Or is that going to happen at some point in the in the future in 2021? I honestly don't know how much I'm allowed to like talk about any of this. Like only wow. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, did it finally get announced that we were renewed, even though we knew earlier on. So all of the press I did with season two coming out, everyone would be like, so like, have you guys heard? And we had already all heard that we got renewed. Yeah. So it was kind of hard to keep that secret. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know how much I can necessarily talk about. Okay. So just for my <laughs> listeners, I always love this kind of question um, because you can see the um, the panic and reticence kind of in the, in the body language. Like she's starts doing all these things with her hands now and she's kind of like, you know, she, like she's moving back and forth. Okay. I'm not going to torture you uh, too much, but um, what would you what would you like to see happen for Lizzie? Like, what are some beats that you would like to be able to play? I can ask that, right? Because that has nothing yeah. to do with what's been written or not been written or been filmed or not been filmed because she is confirming or denying nothing. <laughs> That's a very no confirmation safe question. <laughs> what would you like uh, to play? <laughs> um, I would love to learn more about Lizzie's past and her relationship with her parents because it's been vaguely touched on a couple times but I would love to know more about where kind of that hurt comes from mm. and I would also love to see her relationship with Connie develop a bit more because it ends in a very <laughs> strained place and so I would love to see how because of that strained relationship how that affects her relationship with Ricky because technically they're not allowed to see each other anymore I mean, they probably will because it's Lizzie and she kind of does whatever she wants. She so seemed really happy when she was like, we're the Romeo and Juliet of Virgin River. Like, she looks I, stoked. I'm like, oh, man, this is war with Aunt Connie. That's exactly I what I doubt that is. Connie could stop her. So I would love to see, like, how that strain affects her relationship with Ricky and if that is, like, the downfall of the relationship or not. Better not be... Okay, you did really, really well with that question. Thank you so much. Is there, so we're going to move on from Virgin River. Um, is there anything else that you, you want to say, you want to speak directly to the fans? Because this show is a popular. Um, I think you want to say to my aunt, Daphne. <laughs> Thanks for being a fan, Daphne. I really appreciate it. I mean, I've just been so pleasantly surprised how well the show did. I mean, I knew it was going to do well because everyone involved is so talented and I think that they really put together a wonderful show so I think we all knew it was special but the fact that it has such a global appeal and people are really taking a liking to it I'm just it feels really surreal <laughs> okay you don't have to talk about you don't have to like you can relax your whole body now we're not going to talk about season three or not anymore okay Sarah Dugdal. That's what I'm going to call you now because I don't know why. I think my caffeine okay, just okay. kicked in in the last 20 minutes. So that's why I've been like, you know, <laughs> super like hyper. Um, also, I love talking about Virgin River. I'm going to just talk about it all the time. Um, let's go back in time. Then. Like what kind, of a, what kind of a kid were you? You mentioned musicals. Was that part of your, your early foundation as a performer? Yeah, I was painfully shy growing up. 
like very, very shy. I started dancing when I was like five years old and danced all through high school, but I was never the girl that had like five solos and like was the star of the show. I just loved it. And I grew up singing in choir and then in grade six signed up for my first musical and auditioned. I don't know why I signed up, what possessed me to do that, but it was Aladdin and I got the role of Jasmine. And my parents were shocked that I had even signed up. And um, yeah, I was just so shy, but something about being in the safety of like a script and the music, I didn't have stage fright. It was so strange to me. Like I didn't even think twice about it. And that then, comes up here a lot, though. I got to say that it's it's very common, you know, with especially with with actors who play, um, who end up playing characters like Lizzie, you know, like these like really like, like you, you'd be like, oh, OK, that's a that's a tough, like badass or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, I'm really shy and I'm really introverted. And it's I don't know what it, if it's the kind of personality that is drawn to, you know, to acting. Maybe you have to be like a certain way off the off the screen, off the stage in order to bring it. Oh, but then again, there are some extroverts. So I don't know. I don't think there's a rule, right? But did you come from a, like, did you come from a particularly like creative family, you know, or one where there was like a lot of like singing and dancing and like, um, well, my mom teaches elementary school and music. So at least the music side from my mom, Yeah, we had a piano in our house and took piano lessons growing up and stuff. And My dad doesn't have a career in the arts at all, but he would always take us to plays or we would go see cool concerts or like weird kind of art house movies. And so I found that I was really exposed to a wide variety of like culture and art growing up, which I so appreciate. And so I found that like, I don't know, being in that household and we always had like music on and I don't know, I don't really know what made me kind of decide to go towards acting because there are no actors in my family. Yeah. Well, there are, because there are now. There are now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so t- t- at what point did you make that, that declaration? I am going to be an actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's laughing. I think because I did the arm, the acting arm, which I assume happens every time <laughs> that there's a, I, somebody makes a declaration that they are going to be an actor. Yes. Um, Well, I did musicals like all through middle school and high school. And my dad connected me with my current acting coach when I was 14 or 15. Oh, wow. And so I started to train with her, Deb Podowski, who is still my mentor and coach and will forever be. Yeah, She's Sachin Sahil has been on the podcast and singing Deb's praises. Both, oh, yes. both Debs. Deb Podowski yep. and Deb Dillastone. We love you, Deb. Deb's love you, Deb. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, she she actually suggested that I get an agent, which I'd never really thought about before. I didn't really think about making acting a career or even thought that I could. So I ended up getting an agent, Deb Dillastone, and started auditioning and working a bit. And then when it came to grade 12 and everyone was looking at schools and applying for programs, I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. Mm. And there was nothing else that excited me or made me as happy or anything else that I was really, really passionate about. And so I thought, 
this is what I want to do. I'm going to dedicate all of my time and my energy to it. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what my career is going to be. And my dad always, always said like plan B is going back to plan A. Like my parents were always crazy supportive about it. Wow. Even if I had lulls where I didn't work for a while, even if I was starting to get discouraged, they weren't at all worried that I was not going to have a career. Like the people around me always lifted me up and made me feel like it was going to happen if I just kept working hard. And so that's what I did. And I love, I have not heard that before that plan plan B is going back to plan A. That is, that is a tattoo right there. Um, (laughs) What was your, what was your first time on set? I mean, we've talked about you, you know, on stage, but on set, like what, what was the production? What was the role? What, what do you remember about it? What mistakes did you make? This is like a choose your own adventure question. Clearly my specialty. I love it. Um, It was actually my third audition ever. I booked a guest star on this show called the haunting hour. Ooh. which was like R.L. Stein's R.L. The Haunted Stein. Hour. So yeah. kind of like Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. So it was like a creepy, a little bit scary, but it was also for kids. So it wasn't too scary in any way. But I was doing the role opposite Debbie Ryan, who's known for like Disney stuff and now for many other things. Like mm-hmm. she's had crazy success. And she really made my first experience really welcoming and warm because I guess her first experiences on set hadn't been awesome or the people hadn't been as welcoming. So she really made a point to make me feel comfortable and make me feel welcome. And I've always felt really grateful to her for doing that. That's an important lesson, I think, too, to have early, you know, like early in your career, because then, you know, you have the opportunity to be that for somebody else who's on their, their first day as well, right? Like that's forever in your, in your mind. Yeah, Um, I feel like I'll always carry that with me. Yeah. What is a Sarah Dugdale, Dugdale role? Like, when are you, when are you the happiest? Mm, Honestly, I love drama and I love going to those like raw places in myself and getting to explore them in like a safe way and getting to do it. I don't know, getting to use stuff in my life for art and getting to see it come out and be used. And I think that's really beautiful. So I do love drama and I love, I don't know, getting to that like guttural place I also do love horror and I've been told I have a really good scream. (laughs) So that's always fun as well. (laughs) Being terrified on set, going to work and being terrified. Um, But I would love to do comedy at some point in the future. I feel like with a coach like Deb, like she's like a comedy queen. Like I would love to get to use some of what she's taught me and get to do something funny and do something that's, kind of out of my comfort zone. So that's kind of the next thing that I would love to latch on to. Ooh, I would love, love, love to see that. Okay, Sarah Dugdale, are you ready to play from some favorite things? Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and the rules, you've listened to the podcast, you know, um, the rules are very complicated. I ask you uh, what your favorite thing is, and then you tell it to me. Okay. Very I hard. I think I can handle that. Okay. <laughs> 
favorite cartoon from when you were a kid? Ooh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. It was very obscure. <laughs> it was, me and my brother used to go to my grandparents every Saturday and Sunday, and they lived in the States. So we watched like US cartoons. And there was this one, it was just, the animation was kind of like creepier looking and it had sort of a darker vibe to it, but it was a, that will always stick in my head. Courage the Cowardly Dog. That's so bizarre. I, I, I just know. like, I, I don't even, I, I'm going to have to look it up. Um, it's a very revealing answer, uh, however. Um, a favorite thing to do on a lazy Sunday in Vancouver? Hmm. Um, get coffee from one of my favorite coffee shops. It's called Small Victory. And then just going for like a walk around my neighborhood. That's such a nice answer. Have you like, have you stopped going outside? Like, are you still going outside a lot? Um, cause I, I mean, now that I'm working from home and like, you know, my husband like drops off and picks up our daughter from school every day. And like, I, I don't go outside as much. Like, I think I'm just kind of I was talking to some friends about this recently that I kind of like look like beyond my patio is like the dirty part because it's COVID, right? Like has, has the pandemic changed, you know, how you move around in the outside world or. I feel like a little bit, I feel like at the core, I am like an introvert and I'm a bit of a hermit sometimes yeah. and love to just like be in my apartment because it feels like a very comfortable space for me. And so I do feel like with the pandemic, I've almost like retreated a little more into that. It's like I almost have more of an excuse to stay home. But I do find that I try to get out and go walking at least and I don't know, be in nature as much as possible. Yeah, we are really lucky here in the in the lower mainland because um, it's 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 pretty darn beautiful. I live in Kitsilano, so I could conceivably go and walk on the beach and look at the mountains and stuff. Maybe I'll plan to do that next month. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> favorite vacation destination? Ooh, like for when we can travel, when we can vacation again. Honestly, probably Toronto. I know that's not a response. You probably think somewhere like warm or tropical, but my brother and his husband live in Toronto. Oh, I and get it. They were supposed to come home for Christmas, but COVID, so they didn't. So we had like a virtual Christmas and I just miss my brother a lot. Yeah. And also Toronto is a super fun city as well. I did my teen years in Toronto and my sister lives in one of the suburbs and it's like, it's super fun. Like I can't wait to take my daughter to Canada's Wonderland and you can easily go to Niagara Falls. There's a bunch of pioneer villages. There's a shoe museum. There's great shopping. There's great eating. Like it's, you know, I want to go to, to Spadina and I want to go to Gerard Street and just put all the food in my, in my face. Yeah. So, all the good day. food, yeah. all the good shopping. I also didn't know there was a shoe museum, so I might have to check that out. The Bata Shoe Museum, it's right near, um, it's in Yorkville. So it's like, it's right near the Royal Ontario Museum. I haven't been there in a long time, but they have like, they have like um, Princess Diana shoes. They have a, one of a pair of the ruby slippers. You know, they have just, um, you, I mean, they have shoes that were used in the foot binding in, in China, you know, centuries ago. Like it's, it's, uh, it's shoes have it. Footwear has an incredible history. And also the gift shop is very, very rad. Okay. Favorite junk food. 
the most telling question of all. Hmm. I do love popcorn. That's mm -hmm. usually my go-to, especially the smart pop, like white cheddar. That is my go-to. Any sort of popcorn, I'm yeah. not like impartial to any, but that one. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I ate a lot of popcorn watching Virgin River, not gonna lie. Favorite karaoke song? Oh, I honestly don't know if I have one. That's probably really bad. I... No, it's not. Yes, I any, condemn you, Sarah Duckdale. You have no karaoke song. I have, though, I feel like I just would not want to do karaoke. Maybe now, but I feel like in the past, just out of, like, shyness sake, I wouldn't, I don't want to get up there and do that. But. I can show you the world. There you go. Aladdin. We'll do that. <laughs> that That'll one. be my go-to karaoke. <laughs> Okay, I got two more questions. Um, favorite superhero? Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, I was never super into like superhero movies or any of that growing up. Um, so funny because I could totally see you playing one down the road. I would love to. <laughs> maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I should have a favorite superhero. To or super villain, right? Super villain because super villains are are fun too, if yeah. not more fun. <laughs> I mean, I do love that show, The Boys, which is kind of all super. They're kind of all villains in a way. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have a favorite superhero. I feel wow. like I feel ashamed to say that. I'm disappointed in you, Sarah. Very disappointed. But I don't want to just make up an answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, you told me about courage. What was it? Courage, the cowardly dog, or something? Like I, 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 I think that answer gets you a pass on this one. Okay, and finally, Team Mel, Team Charmaine, or Team, team Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Team Team Mel. I feel like Mel's character is. There's just so much heart to her. And I feel like she's so hesitant to dive in and really like be there with Jack because there's all this fear that maybe she'll lose someone she loves again. And I feel like Alexandra plays that role so beautifully and is also just so gorgeous on screen. And yeah, she's like the most beautiful person on Netflix, I think. Like she's definitely yeah. in the, like, like she looks like walking sunshine. Like it's like, yeah. oh, there's, there's a walking ray of light, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> must I be hard. Feel, <laughs> must be hard. I do feel a little bad for Charmaine though, because she's the other woman. Yeah. No one's going to really root for her. I mean, I'm rooting for Lauren. I think she's such a fantastic actress. Yeah, she is lovely and a fantastic actress. I feel kind of bad that she's not very liked by the Virgin River community, I guess. But I mean, we are, there's a big chunk of us who think that Charmaine is the one who shot Jack, you know, so um, including me and my aunt. So <laughs> yeah, I, but I just, I mean, however, however it all lands, like... We love you. We love Virgin River. Sarah Dugdale. I'm not going to do anything else to your last name, Sarah Dugdale. Thank you so much for being with us here today on the Why Bear Screen Scene podcast. Where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you, send you all of their, their ideas for season three? 
<laughs> what they think is going to happen for Lizzie and Ricky. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's just Sarah Dugdale. And then Twitter, Sarah underscore Dugdale. Those are really the only two that I use. You know, Sachin Sahil, who is also, you know, with the Debs, he's the same. I think on one of them, he's like Sachin Sahil. And then the other one, he's Sachin underscore Sachin dot Sahil. I'm like, dude, like, and I'm going to say this to you, dude. <laughs> What are you doing to me here? Because if I can't like pre-write it, I have to like yeah. I wish to that, add in the underscore. Ugh. I wish that I had both the same, but I made them separate times, and then I couldn't get. I think I just wanted my Twitter to be Sarah Dugdale, but that was taken, and then I was like, oh, oh well. <laughs> You're very kind. I would have like tried to like negotiate with the other <laughs> the other Sarah Dugdale said, listen. You know, you're going to be having a lot of people sending you their their theories on, you know, on my character losing her virginity. So, you know, um, let's negotiate. Let's trade. But anyway, that's just me. I'm sure I'm sure that you you've, you're fine with your decision. That's great. Thank you, Sarah. Watch Virgin River on Netflix, the two seasons. And then honestly, send me your ideas. OK, send me. Um, who do you think killed Jack? Uh, not killed. He's not dead. I didn't say that he's dead. Who shot Jack? Jesus. I don't know anything about season three. I haven't read any books. Jack is not dead. Or I don't know. I don't know anything. Okay, I'm going to move on. And I'm not deleting that so that people can see what's going on in my in my very disorganized mind. Okay, like and subscribe. <laughs> Leave us a review. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Scene. And I'm also at SabrinaArmf. S-A-B-R-I-N-A-R-M-F and you can send me all of your Team Mel, Team Charmaine, Team Lizzie and Ricky uh, ideas there. And the Wire Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. I am the only one to blame, especially today. And it is edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Paul Furminger for technical support. We honestly should just call this like the Furminger podcast. Except for Dane. There's Dane Devole who did our original music. Thank you, Dane. We'll make you an honorary Furminger. Wire Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, dynamic film and television scene and cut this ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of hollywood north history the fish flight in the 1980s the fish flight was an early morning flight from vancouver that delivered fresh fish to los angeles before the start of the business day These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.